John and Dave discuss the final six episodes of Ted Lasso Season 3 and how they apply to teaching and learning. We try to connect our Teaching Like Ted Lasso themes, play, curiosity, teamwork, vulnerability, discourse, and social-emotional learning to some of the story arcs addressed in these episodes. Welcome, I'm Dave. I'm John. And this is Teaching Like Ted Lasso. Is that a train going through? That is a train, that yes. Is a train. <laughs> <Okay>. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, you're also hearing a, a train going through. We have the windows open because it is a beautiful day It's here a beautiful in West day Michigan. in West Michigan. And, and the train going through Grand Haven, every time it gets to a street, it has to let people know. Yeah, well, we have so many crossings that don't have the gates. Yeah, and that's when they've got to blow the yeah. horn. So. Um, Anyways. This is your one and only warning that there are spoilers ahead. We're back. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's so, good to be back. So, yeah. and trip was good. Trip was really good. One of the one of the main ideas that came out of the trip that I think can both foreshadow this other podcast we've been talking about also connect with this as I had a really nice conversation with our friend Hamisi. He talked about sort of this difference between being a tourist and being a traveler. And it was really fascinating to think about that difference. And I think that it relates to Ted Lasso because it feels like Ted Lasso could have been very much a tourist, right? He could have just been doing the work, but really not connecting. And that's what Amici sort of helped me sort of see. A traveler, though, immerses themselves in the the circumstances, the situation, gets to know the people, gets to know the culture, isn't just you know, clicking off things in their bucket list. And yeah. so that's so, really nice. And especially in that context with the student teachers, because I mean, they become very connected to these yes, schools. Exactly. Yeah. It was nice to think about that and then come back and get caught up on Ted Lasso and, and have that sort of in mind is thinking about Ted's, well, the end of this at least story arc, if not the end of the, uh, the series. So what did you think about the way that this all ended? I was just so satisfied. Mm. The kind of the balance of this whole last season, kind of with an uphill and a downhill, uh, the way things tied together. And I feel like they stayed true to their big ideas uh, through the entire show. Mm. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I would say the same. It's been interesting seeing sort of the online response to it. I just read an article before coming over here that talked about how bad this one critic thought season two and season three were. I, I juxtaposed it with, I was listening to one of the, the many Ted Lasso podcasts, What Would Ted Lasso Do? And one of the, the podcasters, Jeff Harry, I think is his name, encapsulated it for me in terms of this idea of it's like a relationship, right? Season one was like, you're just dating. You're just getting to know and you're, you're, you're enjoying your time together and you're, you're considering you want, you want more. And season two, you might go all in, right? And you're ready to commit. And then you get to season three and you're, you start nitpicking all of the things that you don't like about. I mean, it's a, bad, it's a typical bad relationship arc. And, and it makes me think about academia from the standpoint of the, the times where we 
in a search committee, we do everything to try to get to people to come. And then we spend the next six years trying to find examples of why maybe that person shouldn't be with us. Yeah, which is actually not what it's like at Grand Valley. (laughs) We're we're aware enough of that that we've made some decisions. Yeah, we've tried to make it more supportive, more about we want this to work. Right. Yeah. We, we wanted you here and we want you to stay here. But again, that that's not every place. And again, that's not every relationship. So, so when I see people upset, a lot of the times they're upset about things that we, like you were saying, you knew about in season one. You, this knew, was, you knew about from the title. Yes. <laughs> that that these, these things were going to happen. So, yeah. but we want to th- focus on, on our, uh, six themes, play, curiosity, teamwork, vulnerability, discourse, and social emotional learning. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking maybe about thinking about this because we're seeing, and, and you brought this up several times during the podcast, seeing connections between these. And mm-hmm. so, so one of the big ideas in these last six episodes is total football. I, this this approach to football that Ted came up with in episode six. He related it to the triangle offense in basketball, and, and Beard explains to him that this has been around for decades, and it's called total football. And that's why Man City keeps beating. And that's, <laughs> that's right. And that, yeah, and Man City uses it. Pep is the coach of Man City in one of the proponents of this and so and the pep in the show was yes real life pep. yes so this all makes sense so so where do you see total football connecting into these these themes boy all over the place right because so much this is i think what we're striving for in, in the classroom community i mean the one thing is how much fun they start having yeah. playing the scene where the the fans are watching they're like, they're having fun out there. Everybody's having fun. Mm-hmm. The, the enjoyment in really engaging in what we're doing. Yeah. It's purposeful. It's satisfying us. All the, pl- all the players get better, right? Including Jamie Tart, who is already a star. He starts becoming the kind of player who wins awards. Mm-hmm. Not that the award especially matters to him. Yeah. Just to see everybody flower like that. Right. And it goes back, I, I won't get to quote. Uh, exactly right, but where Ted talks to Jamie about being one in a million, but forgetting that he's one of 11. And this season, he certainly sees himself as one of those 11 11, and participating in um, the success of of not just himself, but of the team. So so teamwork and and this idea of a community seem to be part of what we're seeing there. I I appreciate that you brought up fun. It reminds me that so much of the time we we seem to think that learning is serious business, right? And And um, it is. And it is. But that doesn't mean that there can't be fun in play. Okay. Uh, Maybe maybe the word serious is the problem there. It's important. Right, learning is important, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be playful. In fact, there's plenty of evidence that that people are more likely to engage in activities that are playful, that are fun, that help them to get into a sense of flow. And mm-hmm. so, so that's that's I think an important piece of that. And again, even Arlo White talks about at the very end that you know it looks like they're having fun out there, and the fans are having fun. Mm-hmm. 
that gets me, it, you brought it up. It also seems to me that there's a sense of vulnerability that comes along with this um, total football, especially in the way that Ted invites the fans to come and observe. <laughs> Which takes everybody so off guard. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't do that. And it reminded me of Robert Kaplinsky's Observe Me. Yeah. You know, that same idea of being vulnerable and, in fact, letting people come in. So I remember just first on Twitter, he started, he started his hashtag, you know, this Observe Me and inviting people into your classroom and there's a bit of a structure, kind of a healthy structure for noticing and wondering what's going on with learning in the classroom and then talking with the person afterwards. And I think you and I both believe that the, the best way to improve teaching is to have teachers talk about shared experiences and the focus on learning, mm -hmm. right? And so, which goes back to your point about the discourse, right? Right, which happens so many times. Like once they start the system in the show, right, they're constantly having ideas about, well, what can we do and who's where and how are we gonna direct it and who handles the ball? What, what play, right? Even mm -hmm. uh, right at a key moment, they're on the field. The coaches are like, what play are we gonna run right. here? Right. So. And you brought up this idea of curiosity too. So one of the things that Ted Lasso brings up is that there are four things to keep in mind. Conditioning, versatility, and awareness. And then this idea of what's the fourth one. So you were talking before uh, we started about how you felt like that sort of contributes to the sort of curiosity we want in the classroom. Both curiosity because everybody's engaged. Like, well, what is the fourth one? Is it this? Mm -hmm. Is it that? But I also thought uh, vulnerability on Ted's part, right? Like mm. he's had this literal vision and he's sharing it with them, but he doesn't have any need to pretend like he knows it all. Right. It's more like, this is what we're gonna try. We're gonna work on it together. There is a fourth thing. I don't know what it is yet. Right. Right. How many people in authority are willing to admit that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, as teachers, I was having this conversation with some teachers the other day in terms of we were talking about using some more open-ended problems in the classroom. And one of the things that came up was, you know, teachers who might not feel confident in their own ability and being afraid that if they did something that was open, you know, that had lots of possible student responses, that they might not know how to respond. For sure. And they won't. Right. right. It's not like we can tell them, oh, you'll be fine. Right. It's like, oh, you are going to have those moments. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. This is an opportunity for us to learn from our, our students. And it's an opportunity for, we've talked about vulnerability not just being a bad thing, but it's also just being authentic and recognizing mm -hmm. that we all have something to learn. Yeah. Um, and curiosity is being, I mean, this comes up throughout this last season. Um, this idea of, I, I don't know it yet, not yet, right? Even to the point where uh, in that last um, episode, Rebecca's mom talks about the idea that she's going to be, she's, she's learning a skateboard. <laughs> and Rebecca asks, are you any good? And he goes, I will be, yeah. right? And so this belief about we can get better. Yeah. And that seems to be an important piece of that too. The other idea, thing about this fourth thing that Ted brings up is the idea that, you know, sometimes you just got to leave things open and God walks into the room, okay? Or, or your muse walks into the room, however you want to think about that. And it's something that I've heard Jason say as well 
on Brene Brown's podcast. Mm. We were talking about this before in terms of the number of times in the show where there's a blank spot. You know, Nate quits West Ham. What happened there? Yeah. Right? And Share- people are curious. It's not like they, they somehow they all know and right. we just don't. Right. Everybody wants to know. Right. But it also allows everyone to sort of contribute their own ideas to this. Mm -hmm. And so when we go back to total football, one of the things that I connected with is I think both you and I believe in the classroom that we need structure and we need novelty, right? Students, learners need to know that they are safe, that they need to have some familiarity. But in order to be engaged, something needs to be switched. There, there needs to be something new, something that fosters their curiosity or something like that. Creates an opportunity for something new to happen. Right. And I feel like throughout Ted Lasso, that has been the case. That it feels familiar, but it's definitely got things that are different. What about, do you think total football relates to social emotional learning at all? It does get at this idea of responsible decision-making. Okay. I think there's certainly some issues of being uh, self-aware, you know, where you're at, mm-hmm. and then managing yourself around those. Um, and it's certainly about relationships, right? It's knowing where other people are and, and moving moving that. So, so it feels like it has those opportunities. I'm not... Mm-hmm. We, we've said before, we would not suggest that you follow all of the teaching uh, <laughs> yeah. methods that are used in the show. I would not use the practice methods that Roy has suggested. To, Thank you. To do Making some that of the, entirely clear. To do, um, we, we have no to say no more, no <laughs> strings involved. But it's certainly one of the things that they're trying to get them to be is be aware. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that, that that's the good connection. That... Um, just as you were talking, it made me think about uh, the relationship between um, Danny and uh, Zorro mm. slash Van Dam mm-hmm. slash Zorro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the relationship was so much a part of how they played football that it, they just kind of made an interesting point of it, that it was kind of conditional, right? During international play, Danny is playing against him, mm-hmm. and so that... Zorro was thinking that the relationship was still there, and for Danny, that doesn't. And then they come back, and the rela- Danny thinks it's there, but it's been broken, mm-hmm. and they have to work that stuff out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we see this, we were talking about, again, the teachers that I were talking to the other day were talking about how group work can be such work in classrooms because of all of these other interpersonal things that they have to deal with. And I think that that really goes to some of what we learned in particular from our colleague, Joy Oslin. That's what exactly I was thinking about. And how just that phrase of hers uh, kills me is that we're either perpetuating status or we're interrupting it. Boy, in uh, professional sport, man, you you cannot look for a more kind of rigid status structure. But I think we'll see that in the classroom, too, if we work closely. Well, and the other thing that she says that I think really connects with these last six episodes is this idea of getting better together, mm-hmm. getting better together. And um, Pep says that in the Mom City episode when they're 
at the end, he reminds Ted that it's not about wins and losses, it's about helping these young men to become a better version of themselves. Ted says it in his very last halftime locker room that he, you know, he's grateful to be having had a, um, a front row seat for their growth and maybe transitioning into the Diamond Dogs. We have a, a Roy joins the Diamond Dogs because he wants to know how to get better. He does, despite how much the, the whole idea repulses him. <laughs> so One of the things it, it reminded me of was Sam and Andrew Otten's thing about discourse. Oh, just so, so how much those were about talking their way to understanding, right? Or, or maybe not even, right? Maybe just, yeah, you're a mess, Ted, kind of thing throughout the, the time that they had. So, so some of it is, is just really encouraging to me. Well, the very last one we were talking about where, where um, Roy does ask about, can people get better? <laughs> and there's three different answers at least, right? Four. Five. Yeah, there's five, right? Trent says, no, you just become more aware. Uh, Nate builds on his own self-awareness, right? That, yes, people get worse and people get better. Ted points out that you got better just by asking for help. You're different, right? So you're getting better. Beard does a whole thing about perfection. And then uh, Leslie brings it home, and here I am going to have to read this. Yeah. Human beings are never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do is to keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. So I think about one of the things that has helped me to move out of my own perfectionism is this idea of progress, not perfection. One of the things I like about the show as a whole is they, this again, the naming of things, right? And like they all turn and acknowledge when Higgins says this, well, that's it. Yeah. I think as as teachers, that's one of our superpowers, right? right. Is when we see something happen in the classroom, right. we can bring people's attention to it. We can enshrine it. Yeah. It could be Joshua's theorem. Yep. That is a huge thing for us to be able to do. And I like how they do that. I mean, there's a question that's asked by Nate to Jamie after... Roy says, you know, let's go out and get a beer. He's like, are you guys friends now? He's like, I guess so. But again, it's this idea of name, noticing and naming, right? Mm -hmm. As teachers, we have to, and again, if we're just doing all the talking, then there's very little opportunity for noticing and naming. So back yeah. to this idea of discourse, there had the, the Diamond Dogs allowed for a variety of this discourse to happen so that it could all be raised up and, and at the end they could point to Higgins and say, yep, that's it. We're getting better. And back to Joy's point, we're getting better together. Yeah. And that's the social emotional learning too, mm -hmm. that how these people are feeling has a lot to do. I mean, you, they don't have the diamond dogs because it makes them a better football club, but right. they are a better football club because they have the diamond dogs. Right. right. Because it gets, gets back to at one point, Isaac finds out that Colin is gay and it's really messing with him. So speaking about social emotional learning, mm -hmm. it's really messing with him. And he's not playing, Arlo White points out, he's not playing smart. And some of that is because there's so much other turmoil, other stuff that's going on. And, and uh, he has a conversation with Roy, again, some discourse where 
Roy names his own experience and, and says that if you don't deal with this, this is going to mess up everything else. And so the same thing in our classrooms, you know, teachers need to take care of themselves. They need to support students to take care of themselves. Otherwise, you know, th that very important piece of what happens in classrooms, the learning is going to be interrupted. Right. One of the main points of the whole show has been, and, and it, it comes full circle at the end, right, is this idea that it was never about Ted. When we started this, we wanted to make it clear we're not talking about the individual. We're talking about the show when we say teaching like Ted Lasso. And so much of what happens through the show is a reflection of other people taking on Ted's mannerisms, not him forcing it on it. So one of the things that happens is, is Isaac con confronts Colin, but does it in a way that focuses on himself. Right. So do you want to read that? What is it about me that made you think you couldn't tell me? So he's owning that himself. There's something, and he's asking, and the same way Ted asked, Nate, what is it that I can learn from this situation? And, and you pointed out the difference between that and why couldn't you tell me? Right, which is very acute, very judgmental, very accusatory, and it's not about us getting better together. Yeah. So maybe this is, again, an, another theme to think about. Other ways that other people have sort of taken on Ted's sort of mannerisms. I think about in... That, that very same episode, Roy goes in to do the press conference, right? And as he's answering one of the questions about why do you think Isaac did this, he tells a story. That's very much a Ted thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. tell, tell a personal story that makes sense of something. And, and I don't know that that would have been something that Roy would have done before. Oh, no way. Um, but but it certainly is an evidence of, of sort of the, the way that that goes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's just so much healthy there, right? Because he's so uncomfortable that he, he, he dodges that responsibility first. And coming back to it as it's something that's challenging for him, doesn't, isn't comfortable talking, thinks bad things are going to happen. And then he, so he tries what he's seen. It's been awesome. Right. And again, as, as teachers, that same opportunity of, of how do we model for our students? We talk about this on a fairly regular basis with our teachers, right? In terms of just switching the way that we talk about something from here's what you should do to here's what I would do, to yeah. being the model, yeah. right? And, and doing that as opposed to trying to, to manage, trying to manipulate everybody else. It's all about just sort of modeling that work. Well, and that, I mean, one of the very first things or you blew my mind was passing on mosaic of thought from mm -hmm. Kathy. Mm -hmm. It's that idea that with that demonstration, how suitable that is for all the learners. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm an expert problem solver. If I'm solving a problem yeah. and really doing a think aloud, right. everybody in that room has something to attend to. Right. Um, whereas if I'm telling them you do this, then you do this, then you do this, uh, the people who've got it already, there's no point for them. The people who aren't ready for that, there's no point for them. It's this narrow slice of 
the people in front of them. Right, and and it connects with the Alan Schoenfeld's work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when talking about problem solving in non-routine situations, that same thing. You know, what he saw was when you didn't do those sorts of think alouds models, they just flatlined, right? They just right. got stuck. But when they started modeling, and it wasn't telling them what to do, it was modeling the metacognition piece of it. Right. And we, we've, we've talked about this with teachers a lot, too, in terms of when they worry about, but if I, if I don't tell students what to do, they won't be successful on the test. And the fact is, when we tell students what to do, we're telling them, you can't do this if I don't tell you how to do it. Right. And the number of times as a middle school teacher where a student I mean, this was the aha moment for me. My students, when students talk, listen to them. They would be upset with me because I'd give them a problem they hadn't seen, and they'd say, how are we supposed to do it? You didn't show us how to do it. Right. I had learned helplessness as a thing, right? I had uh, disenfranchised them to be able to be problem solvers because I had taken it all on myself. Right. And so... Again, one of the nice things about Ted Lasso is at the end, it feels like he's made himself obsolete. Yeah, I, I, they acknowledge that it's sad that he's leaving. People are literally grieving over it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but life goes on, and they've incorporated the things they learned. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they do a musical number. And the reason I bring this up is because as I was I was I was I was not being totally perfectionist. Oh but no, are we gonna sing? No, we're not gonna sing. But but the number of times and I and I know that Bill Lawrence and I know that Jason and Brendan Hunt are all musical theater fans and so but the number of musical sorta, of, you know, there's the so long farewell, the fact that uh, Beard and Ted do karaoke, and they do Islands in the Stream. <laughs> the heartbent songs that Ted makes up when Kelly says she's heartbent, not heartbroken. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of music in there. So what does that... Should we have music in our classroom? Is that what we're... What, <laughs> well, you have music here? in your classroom. Well, I do. Yeah. I do. I do, I do sometimes. Right. Not, not with the kind of regularity. Right. Uh, there was a teacher in the Mythos who had musical cues for everything. So he just had to play oh, this. Nice. He didn't have to say anything, right? He would play the cue and students would start cleaning up, right? Oh. Or he'd play the cue and they'd get their groups done. Oh, nice. Get their groups. Well, the thing for me that came out of that, though, is, again, this idea of that music is creating community, right? And this uh, fun opportunities to create communities. Uh, all of those examples are our way of people connecting. Mm -hmm. You know, music is one of those ways, games are one of those ways, fun. But I think that if you are someone who's so inclined to, to think about ways of, of including music or including some opportunity for people to make connections outside of this idea of it just being math-related. Well, I, I think... Uh... It goes back to what you were saying about they are musical theater people, right? right? So that's true to them. We're not telling you if you don't connect that way to do that, right? Right. But think about just kind of who you are right. and what's a way for you to kind of share that playfully, invitingly with the, with the class. And that makes me think about the conversation you had with Mike Cackley, right, in terms of the ways that both of you use these questions to, to maybe do that same sort of thing. 
Right. And sometimes I just love my senior capstone this past semester. They took it over. When I came into the classroom, you know, there's five or six questions on the board mm -hmm. that they're pulling themselves apart. Right. Yeah, so. and and again, talk about making yourself obsolete. That's a that's a good example of that sort of. But that what that does is create community. It reminds me of Gloria Lansing Billings, the Dream Keepers. We brought this mm -hmm. up before in terms of that. Well, what they identified as being successful classrooms were classrooms where people were in it together, right? Yeah, that and sense of belonging. Yeah, that sense of belonging, that sense of teamwork, that sense of community. We weren't going to let anybody fail. Reminds me of Taylor Darwin saying, you know, there aren't a finite number of A's. Everybody can earn an A in this class and we can do it together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a sacred problem for you. Is there anything else? else? Well, so we go back and forth about Nate's art. Okay. Right. And is there something for uh, about teaching? So if you have ideas about thinking about Nate's art, so, but, but here's, here's what's in my mind is thinking about forgiveness and how is forgiveness a part of the classroom? And, and I think teachers, they have to have, how can I say this in a way that doesn't sound prescriptive, right? But, but without a sense of forgiveness, kids will be forever kind of exiled from that community, mm -hmm. right? You know, because, you know, several of your learners are going to violate class norms or directly do something that uh, disrupts or harms another learner, mm -hmm. um, that is, it's going to happen. And what happens afterwards? Right. That makes me think of, of two teachers, uh, Mary Jones, who's a middle school teacher I got to work with for years, who first day of class, she always told her students that she loves them. Mm -hmm. And telling middle school students you love them, they would, they would oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and she said, no, she said, you might think I should like you. She said, but if you like somebody, if somebody likes you, you feel like you have to keep earning it. Mm. You have to stay in their good graces. And I'm telling you I love you because there's nothing you can do that is going to change that. Right. Crazy, powerful way to start off, uh, to start off class. And then one of the teachers I've learned the most from, Susan Walburn, she was just such a master. Like the first principle of everything for her was, classroom is a safe space. Mm. And so when kids uh, made it not safe for somebody else, there was an immediate response. And she was so good at separating it. It's about their behavior. It's not about them. Right. She always found something positive to say to anybody that she had to say something negative to before the end of that class. Even if it was just, you stopped what you were doing. Mm -hmm. That's really, you know, I really appreciate that. After a month, students who were just constant sources of uh, anxiety for other teachers were like her biggest defenders, right? They were, they were policing the classroom, making it safe for everybody. That forgiveness that we don't even really see how it happens, right? Everybody is confused by Ted's reaction to Nate. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, like up through the final episode, nobody understands. It's never really made super explicit. Ted never shares mm -hmm. what he went, had to go through. And, and, and they don't show us the team conversation that leads to them going to the restaurant to invite Nate to come back. So much is left kind of undone. We do see work that Nate does. Mm -hmm. As you pointed out, 60 pages. <laughs> One of the important ideas here that you've raised as a possible, because we still need our 10th theme, is this idea of be a goldfish. And I think that what you're suggesting borders on that. 
right? As teachers, how do we be a goldfish about students' behavior, yeah. right? So that we don't continually use it to bash kids over, you know, the, the one thing that they did wrong doesn't become the thing. They're the kid who. Yeah, who did that. So, so that might be an interesting thing. So if you're someone who has worked with forgiveness or worked about thinking about that and you want to get a hold of us, that would be, uh, I think, a good TED theme. I also think, though, as much as everything else, it's related to some of the social-emotional work. The fact that there are people who don't feel, that feel like Nate's redemption arc was too easy, mm -hmm. I would imagine, I mean, both you and I know that we have some colleagues who think that we might be too, I've had them say this to me, <laughs> that I'm too accepting of certain behavior in my classroom. There are people who wanted, for some reason, Nate to go through stuff in order to make it all worthwhile. Well, it's, uh, forgiveness and justice are always at attention. Right. And Nate did terrible things. Right. And I think we have an urge for justice. Right. You know, so we want there to be punishment. Right. But Nate experienced terrible things. The thing that kept coming up for me was this idea, and, and Ted says it in the Mom City episode, hurt people hurt people. Right, and it was clear that he was hurt. It was clear that um, he was hurt by his own father. It was clear that his father didn't mean to hurt him. You know, I mean, yeah. again, talk about vulnerability in that in that conversation that they had. So, so yeah, I, I'm okay with that arc because there is a lot of empty space, and I'm I'm okay with the idea that that forgiveness was. Uh, well, Ted talks to Jamie about that, too. Maybe you need to just forgive your dad. I said, I'm not going to give him that. And he's like, it's not giving him anything. Yeah. Right? It's giving it to yourself. And so I think that that's also a powerful thing for teachers to remember is that forgiveness is as much about us, right? And the, the baggage that we no longer have to carry around, the opportunity to have relationship with somebody who otherwise we might have cut off. I think that that's an important piece of that. So, yeah. so. all right. Anything else? No, that's all. I, <laughs> I mean, well, let's see. Is there is there anything else? As Dave shuffles through his five for those who are listeners, five pages. Maybe I'll make a link. You, just in case you're interested to see the, the kind of... Oh, yeah, um, you should, yeah. I should. I'll give you a link to all of these so you can you can see for yourself. It'll well, be in the show notes. Thank you very much. Yeah, very nice to see you. And, oh, good to see uh, you, too. back to these discussions. Yeah, we should also say that we're going to be live again for MCTM, Michigan Council of Teachers of Mathematics. I don't know yet if it's the 19th or 20th. Right, I was wondering if we knew the date. Yeah, I don't know if we know the date or the time. But if you're interested, sign up. Again, there'll be links. Be on the lookout. Yeah. All Great right. to have you back, man. Great to be back. Bye. I mean, these are the notes for your book, right? <laughs> I'm not writing another book. Teaching the lasso way? Uh, so. The uh, uh, are we renaming the podcast?
Teaching the lasso away? No, we're not. No, I meant to get lasso out of the title. Oh, no, because I still think it's, a, 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 up to this point, it's still about the, the show, and the show yeah. is still named Ted Lasso until the end. So if there are more seasons to come, then, um, then maybe we'll rethink it. But if we got a note from Jason Sudeikis that said it's not about Ted Lasso. If I get a note from Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I will, yeah, Jason Sudeikis, if you'd like me to change the name of this, all you have to do is ask. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, good.